Welcome to this edition of the DMZ America podcast. It is Wednesday, January 18th, 2023. I am editorial cartoonist Scott Standis coming to you from the right. And coming to you from the left, I'm editorial cartoonist Ted Rawl. And columnist and novelist and graphic novelist and just all around mad about town. Asbestos removal worker. <laughs> Were you really? No. Oh. <laughs> no, I, no, I would probably still be doing that. That that's a that is a uh, very lucrative. <laughs> that's not a dying profession. Yeah, you're well, right. Well, it does pay well. It's a yeah, it's a dying profession in that you die when you do it, but it's not a dying profession. Is it? Does it really? Pay, it would have to pay well. No, it pays really well. I mean, uh, I looked at it in the. I saw listings for it in the '80s, and in New York, it paid something like sixty dollars an hour in Holy the Mary. 80s. Holy yeah, no, crap. Well. And usually off the books because a lot of it's done illegally. You know, You're it's like, sort of like we don't really need the EPA to be involved in this little matter. We <laughs> we'll take it away and dump it in front of the <laughs> elementary school. <laughs> we can keep this between us, right? Yeah. Well, you know, what's weird as I think about we had uh, I was on the stage crew in high school, old high school. It was built in the 20s. And uh, so I could get anywhere. Including the, the 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 you know the the ceiling the the the, the, the we're mounted to an attic which they really did have cool stuff up there which I still had access to it's got to be worth a fortune but I was crawling around up there uh, to get to the lights to actually do the work for you the were, stage you, were, you were going toward the light I think I mean I don't know how I don't have asbestosis I mean isn't that is that what's called yeah the, that's it mm-hmm. um, because I was crawling around that shit like you know up to my elbows. Uh, it was and so yeah. I mean, well, I'm lucky. I, well, I collected rocks and minerals, and my father gave me a bit of actual asbestos rock, which I probably still have somewhere in a box. Um, well, you know, you and your father had how how should we put this a challenging relationship? That's true. That's true. And uh, it's better now. It's imp- well, let's just say it's improved. It's markedly improved. Um, that's not, that's not nice. Poisonous minerals in it. <laughs> it's not do you say smell this <laughs> it's like a big chunk <laughs> of arsenic if hard bitch <laughs> so okay so this uh is it this thursday or next thursday we're running up to the um debt ceiling which we seem to do all you know it seems to be it really does get ridiculous it does seem like it's every other week it's not it's not true but it's pretty regular it's it's annual i think pretty much right it's always like toward the end of the year it's either like some i don't know why it's it's like in january now it used to typically be in december but anyway anyway so 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 we're coming up on that it's a a mere 31.4 trillion dollars so not that much, not that high. No, no, pretty soon. Easily repaid in a month or two, just like uh, tighten our belt, you know, <laughs> you know tell the Ukrainians uh, they'll have to do with 90% as much weaponry as we've been sending them and we'll be fine. It's remarkable when you hear how much money we are sloshing around in this country. I mean, and this is not a Democrat or Republican issue. The Republicans under uh, Trump were just as, if not more. More so, just uh, uh, the fires of fiscal responsibility. Republicans just spend lots of money on different things. I mean, you know, uh, historically it was always Republicans went crazy with defense spending. Democrats, uh, you know, didn't didn't pay any attention to entitlement programs. And uh, but that's not even true anymore. Democrats are on the defense spending merry-go-round too. Uh, it's it's almost that that is a whole. We should talk at at some point you know, about the, you know, the great realignment about how 
Democrats have really truly become the party of unbridled Pentagon spending and uh, aggressive militarism abroad, uh, while Republicans have become a little more restrained and, um, you know, a little more, I mean, a little more is the key word here, but a little more, um, you know, skeptical of foreign interventionism. Um, you know, the Trump wing of the party. Is, yeah, that's true. Yeah, the Buchanan, the I, the Buchanan yeah, no, you're absolutely right there. But um, and the debt, just to give you a sense of how, in my view, how terrible this is, is it has doubled every 10 years. The debt. I mean, we're talking trillions of dollars since 1980. Um, they just kept keep bumping it up to the point now where it's almost I believe it's over now 10 percent of the federal budget. Uh, money that could be spent on. Yeah, other we have things. to be clear here about the differences, right? There's there's two different things. There's the budget deficit, which is uh, how much more the government is spending every year than it's taking in. Mm-hmm. That, in other words, that's how fast you're going into debt each year, <laughs> and then and then it's, that's how far you're in the red, right? And then there's the debt, which is all the 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 sum total of all the budget deficits and and surpluses in the past. So it's how much money you owe total. So right. basically the budget deficit is how badly you fucked up your credit card last month. And the debt is the total that's due from all the previous times you only made minimum payments. Yeah, well, yeah, well said, well said. So we're looking at the debt ceiling, um, which has traditionally um, gone up with some, uh, recently with some rancor, there has been uh, government shutdowns, um, which uh, I'm all for. Uh, but now we're coming up on this. The Republicans in the House have said that we're going to make this an issue. And, you know, there's a few things that they brought up during the They're whole holding re- out for some things. Right. Basically, this has become a this is I I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. Have Democrat. I don't think Democrats have ever held the debt ceiling hostage. hostage no, the way Republicans do. Right. So basically, I think we should talk about what the debt ceiling is. Right. Because it's not inherent. Most countries don't have this. Um, most countries. Uh, you know, they, they they have a budget and it's either in the black or it's in the red and that's it. And the debt, if there's debt, which most Western countries have, most developing countries have, it just adds up and that's it. That's how much they owe. And they issue bonds or whatever to finance them. Um, then, but like in the US, uniquely starting about a hundred years ago, Congress passed this debt ceiling, which uh, basically is a, is is a limit on how high the total debt can be at any given time. And basically what happens is after some finagling, Congress always just increases the allowable debt le- limit to allow Congress to run in the red as much as they want. But in the last 10, 11 years, Republicans began uh, holding, saying like, well, wait a minute, we're not gonna just automatically increase this. We want concessions from the Democrats. And then the Democrats say, there's a danger here if you hold the demo, if if we look like we might not pay our debts like we might default on treasury notes or other us government obligations that would hurt the full faith and credit of the united states and then uh, investors would run would not trust our our bonds and notes anymore and our the interest rate that we would have to pay to the market would increase i think that's right. In addition, um, you know, people love the like me love the shutdowns in, and in, in I guess uh, you know, in the, the the abstract of it because it sounds good. But the problem is when you do do this and then you restart the government, which they're going to do, it is extremely expensive 
I mean, it really, as Ted mentioned, there are penalties, there are increased costs. It is really expensive to do this. It actually costs more and wastes even more money to do this. What the Republicans are holding out for are some significant cuts. And in some areas, I'm telling you, but Ted. Not in defense spending, right? Like only in non-defense spending. Right. But there is, interestingly, there in the Twitterverse and in the conservative world, there is some talk now and some movement and saying, let's, we can, it's time to cut the defense budget as well. That that can't be I've, I've seen sacred. that, yeah. And they're right, because I mentioned this on other podcasts. I mean, our enemy in the next decade is not, it's going to be uh, international terrorism and te- terrorist blocks and, and chasing them. It's not <laughs> chasing them will not you will not need an Aegis destroyer. <laughs> you know, no. you will not need a B one, you know, a B one two B two bomber or yeah, yeah. precisely. So, you know, the, the, yeah, their the, the radar capabilities that's still true. are not I mean, great. Look, I mean, the United States has not been engaged in a hot war against a worthy adversary, I'm going to say, at least since Vietnam. And certainly, and if you're talking about like an adversary that actually arguably threatened the security of the United States, I think you have to go at least back to World War II. But you could argue that neither Germany, I think historically Germany and Japan never intended to attack the U.S. mainland or the proper U.S. I don't think they would have ever. They just, it would have been an overextension. They just couldn't have. And so I think, you know, truly you have to go back to the War of 1812 to find a war in which the United States was attacked by a foreign power and was in serious danger. And of course, the United States started that war. So yeah, well, well, no, we didn't. We weren't, we weren't boarding their ships and taking our and conscripting our people. I mean, which was what the, which is what Great Britain was doing Uh, that, you know, that, that does give you, I think you, you should, that should get you angry. I think that that's okay. People are going to be screaming at the podcast saying world war two, uh, the Japanese bombing of Pearl Harbor, which was a sovereign American territory at the time, um, definitely. Not a, but not a state. Well, not a the state. Japanese, I mean, I think it's a cultural misunderstanding. I think the Japanese thought that by attacking, I mean, obviously they wanted to buy time and and and, and fuck up the fleet, right, in the Pacific. But they also, um, they thought we wouldn't care that much. They thought it's like, it's a colony. It's far away. You know, it's not really a full-fledged state. Well, it wasn't a state. And uh, and so we wouldn't really it was like a warning, like slapping us across a dog across the nose, like, fuck off, leave us alone. Yeah, but you kill twenty five hundred of us. That kind of gets our attention in our anger. (laughs) But I think I think they looked at it like, well, what if we you know, what if what if some like Pacific atoll with like some Japanese ships had been bombed, you know, four thousand miles away from mainland Japan? Uh, you know, and and we'd killed three thousand of their sailors. They would have been like, no bigs. You well, know? and there were, and the, the, there's evidence that they both Japan and um, uh, Germany had thought, well, if America gets involved, we're going to kick their ass. And what do we do with America? Oh, we can split it up. That'll be fun. And in fact, there are. Yeah, but there's, there's no. But that would never. Yeah, that's the uh, that's the man in the high castle, uh, you know, scenario. But that's right. just. But they, they couldn't have pulled it off. I mean, that's why. I mean, Germany, for its part, couldn't invade the UK because they didn't. It would have been an overextension. They just couldn't do it. Like they would have been. They could have made a landing, but they would have been pushed back into the sea within months. Um, Maybe, but I mean, Americans. If you invaded now, you think that would happen? <laughs> 
mean, we'd all be looking down on our phones. We would kind of hear the goose stepping, but we wouldn't look up. You know, no, that's true. No, and and some of us like would would just say like, well, maybe our new overlords will be an improvement over the shit bags we have in Congress and in the White House now. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, oh, sorry. So, so the debt ceiling. So, so Scott, <laughs> I'm sorry. That's my role is to run off. Well, no, actually we both do it. Um, yeah. So do you, so, okay. So first of all, I, I want to say, I think that that's, I think the idea of the debt ceiling is stupid. I mean, if we want to have fiscal discipline, have fiscal discipline when you compose the budget, but now that we do have the, the debt ceiling, um, what is, I mean, I think it's kind of like churlish and ridiculous for Republicans or any party to sort of say, okay, we're not going to agree to increase the deficit in accordance with the budget that we voted for and passed. Right. I mean, and, and so it's like, it's like the most ridiculous politics. I mean, it seems to be like if, if Republicans want to insist on spending cuts, why don't they do that during the budget negotiations during the omnibus bill? Oh, no, no question. And they could hold out. I mean, maybe they, maybe the budget process is different than this. I, I I can't speak to the voting, but I can speak to the need for the, the they have to be conscious of raising the debt and they need to be in the American people. And I think that would be the motivator for having that law. Uh, versus having it in Portugal or Germany or France. Uh, we need well, wait, to... Wait, what's the difference? I mean, Portugal doesn't need to care about uh, deficits and debts? Well, they don't. <laughs> not not to the degree that we do. Yeah. Uh, we can... Well, we have a central bank. We produce our own money now Portugal that there's a euro. A, Portugal has all those things? Well, no, they don't have their own... They don't produce their own currency at the moment. They have the euro, right? I mean, that's all. That's okay, a common all right. currency. Well, but, but they have to. They're they're part of the euro, and they have to. Back right. It. They don't, but they also have a, a adults in the legislature. I, that's the only thing I can figure because they uh, were governing the way we govern and budgeting the way we budget. We're idiots. We're we are we're college students. We are. Uh, you know, we don't know how to balance a checkbook, and this make this forces you to balance your checkbook. Well, the uh, or question is, being... I mean, should the U.S. I mean, look, the thing is, if if we if you game this out, you go back to when the modern income tax began under uh, Cordell Hall, right in the early part of the 20th century, um, the that that increase in government revenue is what spurred the United States uh, into becoming a an, an imperial global superpower. Right. It's like what funded the expansion into the Philippines and other places that we really kind of didn't have any business in. Well, I was um, about to say, you're defending this? Wow. No. What I'm <laughs> saying, though, is that the U.S. would be in the like if the U.S. were really just completely paying its bills and in the black every year, except during extraordinary periods of economic or crisis or let's say you know a natural disaster or something the u.s would be a much smaller and weaker country it would no longer have the you know a thousand military bases around the world it would no longer maybe be the host country for the un it would i mean it, it we might not be a nuclear power anymore i mean we would just be a very and I guess what I'm trying to say is we'd be a country that I'd like to live in, but I'm not sure conservatives would like to live in. You know what I mean? I don't think you'd like to live in it because, you know, you mentioned a lot of defense spending, but also infrastructure spending would be a fraction 
of what it was. I mean, you had communities before the income tax. You, I mean, and I'm not just going to sit here and argue against the income tax or cutting taxes to zero because I think that's insane. But you had communities back in those days, and one of the reasons they had they they started the income tax is because they had communities that were literally cut off. You could, there were no bridges to them, there were no roads. There's no way to get to them, and so that's where you had flipper babies and stuff because they were all inbreeding. That's another issue altogether. Um, they're their progeny are now in Congress, uh, but um, so yeah, I mean, I, there's a, there's a line, there's a, there's a balance, there's in, in all things, there's a balance here in uh, overspending and just spending like you know, like drunken sailors is insanity, and it doesn't make any sense to me, Ted. So hence, having any kind of governor in place that makes uh, the, the 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 budgeting process even remotely. Uh, constrained is is a good thing for me what the republicans in the house now are going to do um is uh you know they're demanding cuts in social services um mm-hmm. you and i mentioned that there are some republicans who are mentioning cuts in defense i think that's but they're, reasonable. Not, they're definitely in the minority of they're in the minority they're not going to that's not going to happen you know military spending is going to continue to increase as it has reliably every year since the end of the vietnam war yeah. Uh, no, I think you're right. And I think it's, I, I would, I would count myself among the conservatives who say, let's look at the defense budget and let's, let's cut there as well. Seeing as it's 50% of the budget or more. Yes, 54%. Yes. Uh, but what, here's the thing that is disturbing as hell, especially being, you know, I'm going to be 64th this year is the Republicans talking about cutting uh, social security and Medicare. Now it's the old people who voted for these assholes and they are going to sit back and go, yeah, you, know, you know. Wait a minute. No. They cut my social security. How is that possible? Why did they do that? Why did they not tell me? They said it the entire campaign. This is no secret, folks. They, um, well, they've been these, saying it for years that they've been wanting to do this. A very fringe, but now you have a. Obviously, it won't go through because you've got a Senate and a, and a president who are going to uh, serve as uh, as bulwarks against that. But right now, you, they're going to try to cut social security and Medicare. Well, so that's so Scott, let's talk about the politics of that a little bit, right? I mean, what is I mean, what are the what are seriously, what are congressional Republicans thinking? I mean, are do they they know that social security is, is the third rail of American politics? They in the past, I, I think it was I forget who it was who uh was it George H.W. Bush? But um when Previous Republican presidents have tried have brought up the top, the idea of of cutting Social Security. They got AW. destroyed, right? So, what are they thinking? Just politically, do they think they can make this vote or even use this rhetoric without getting burned in the next election? They don't care. I mean, a short answer: they don't care. They really are. I mean, the Marjorie Taylor Greene wing of the Republican Party is emboldened to. Uh, not give a, a shit about what you just mentioned. They want to do, they want the Republican revolution. They want the state out of your affairs. Um, Even to the it, point where they themselves could, could those like Marjorie Taylor Greene and others could lose their jobs. They won't. They don't think they will. Don't forget they're insane. You know, you have to, you know, you have to go with that. Okay. Um, and I, I, maybe they don't care about losing the their congressional jobs. Um, I, I can't figure them out. I mean, they are so beyond the pale, uh, as far as, 
you know. Well, they're not going to get their way, obviously, because there's not. They're going to try, though. And it's they're going to go within on record. the GOP conference uh, conference. There's just no fucking way. Could you imagine if they introduce this? I mean, first of all, the, the mainstream media, which is does not like them, um, uh, is go going crazy. to make hay and go absolutely batshit crazy on this yeah. issue. Yeah. I mean, they're going to go nuts. And, um, and, and Democrats will just eat popcorn and enjoy and watch the votes come in. Oh, they're fucking up somehow, Ted. You know how Democrats, you, that know, that's, you know, that's they, coming. They will snatch defeat from the jaws of victory. That is true. Yeah, they're overreach. They'll find a way. Yeah, they will overreach. And the Senate will have a committee that will, you know, you know try to <laughs> impeach these guys. And I would like to say, no, you keep them in place. It's um, did you the discussion of George pa- when the generals got together during the Battle of the Bulge when the Germans first started it? I mean, this is salient in a way in terms of strategy. Uh, both uh, Patton and Eisenhower said we should let the bastards get all the way back to Paris because they recognized what it was. It was a last ditch. You know, this is the last. This is it. This is all they got left. So let them stretch right. it all the way out. Cut them off, and the war will be over. Capture uh, them. And that's kind of where uh, you know the the Democrats. I mean, having gets uh green um bobert i mean all these guys is just gold it's a, first of all it's fundraising gold for the democrats but it's also like policy gold for them because these guys are morons yeah it is it's it's mysterious well all right so final take but, on- but all that being said i i mean well yeah let's wrap it up but yeah, i do yeah. i i do agree with i do agree with them on this i would be if i was congressman stantis uh, I of Alabama, I would be very much in favor of, of significant cuts, r- realistic cuts and sensible cuts on the budget. To- well, let me just say, I think um, I, I, as a Keynesian uh, non-economist, but as a Keynesian, I do think uh, this the timing of this would first of all, there's there's I have to criticize this on several grounds. Number one, uh, you can't you can't just sort of carve out defense spending as the, you know, the biggest budget item and arguably the most wasteful. I mean, I, I could easily cut defense 90 to 95% tomorrow. Um, but uh, you, you can't just omit that and say, okay, we're, we're going to just hit social programs. Number two, um, it's we're, we're, we're heading into a possible recession this year. Uh, the bud, you know, the the Fed is de- wants one. They're determined. They're slamming the brakes on the economy. Yeah, no kidding. Um, the the housing market has already, uh, I I would say, basically is now frozen. Um, it's in a bad state because it's the worst of all possible worlds. Interest rates are too high for people to buy homes, and the housing prices are sticky because people who are trying who are listing homes are still trying to get 2022 or 2021 prices. Uh, and they can't, but they don't want to accept reality yet. It's going to be hard. So nothing's moving, right? So you don't, during an economic downturn, cut spending. You increase spending during an economic ba- downturn to stimulate the economy. And then, although I guess the Fed would be okay with this because that's what they want, uh, but you're supposed to do that. And then you're supposed to during good times, like Bill Clinton did during the 90s, during an expansion, you're supposed to pay down the debt, go into the black and, uh, you know, have some austerity because you can afford it because people, you know, don't need as much help. They don't need welfare. They're they they're OK. They're employed. Um, I don't know. I, I, I just think it's like, as usual, we're doing everything else backwards in America. No, <laughs> no. Okay, on that note, I think we're going to wrap this up and go to the next segment. Um, Okay, 
You're listening to the DMZ America podcast. I'm coming to you from the right, and I'm Scott Stantis. And I'm Ted Earl, coming to you from the left. Yes, yeah. promised. We're back with more DMZ America <laughs> podcast for Wednesday, January 18th, 2023. Isn't that, that, that weird? Just sounds weird to me. I'm Scott Stans coming to you from the right, and I'm uh, also helping to keep the promise of a of a second segment. Uh, Ted Rolf <laughs> from the left. <laughs> yeah, twenty. Look, you know, I did a book in 2001. I published a book called 2024. It was a parody of 1984, and that's next year. Um, and, and like the idea was that like, oh, let's talk about a time that's. I remember my publisher and I were like, well, let's choose a year. It's far enough in the future that it sounds really weird, but it's close enough that we will live long enough to see it. And yeah, and and it's crazy. Uh, yeah, it's it just sounds weird. Twenty twenty three just doesn't. It doesn't look know. good either. Twenty twenty two was a good looking year when you yeah. like wrote wrote it on your cartoon copyright twenty twenty two Scott Stannis whatever. I liked writing it. All those twos, you know. Well, we're here, whether we like it or not. <laughs> <laughs> what you well, I guess. You, um, so, okay. So the, um, the secret papers being found all apparently all over Joe Biden's house and offices, which I'm sorry, this seems like ludicrous where this stuff comes from. Ted wrote an excellent column on this, by the way, uh, just saying how th- these papers, they, they, first of all, we over secretify everything. Uh, the federal government does. I mean, I have to believe it's easier. I just have to believe that you don't have to process it if it's so it's what what did what example did you have in your column? I'm sorry, I'm drawing. Oh, a blank Mike, oh Michael Hayden, Michael Hayden, who was the at various times has been the director of the CIA or the NSA, said that he received a message that was labeled top secret NSA. And all it said was Merry Christmas. That's and, and you may think that that was an anomaly or something. There's not. No, you have things like yeah. um um. Uh, uh, you know, a reimbursement for gas or something. And they're just stamp it with. So again, I have to believe it makes life easier for whoever's doing it. Um, so let's begin with yeah, that. What happens is it is easier because you know what it is? It's the, it's the cover your ass thing, right? Like, okay. So in the same, like, basically it's like, if you classify something that shouldn't have been classified, nothing bad can happen. If you don't classify something that should have been classified, you could get in trouble. Right. So it's sort of like child protective services. If they're called to the, you know, you're screaming at your teenager. Uh, it's safer for them to take your teenager away and put them in foster care to be raped uh, than to leave them at your home where they could be like beaten and killed and raped. Because if they don't do anything, they left the kid there and then something bad happens to the kid, then they're fucked. So it's really about them. So the system incentivizes, uh, ah. you know. Like okay, well, that makes and that makes sense. I mean, people are saying why Even is this class, overclassification is a felony under is federal it? law, but no, it's, come on. no one's ever it is, but no one's ever been prosecuted for it. Okay, I mean, the thing is on like the secret documents. Is this a big deal? It could be a big deal if it wasn't like we just mentioned so preposterous. What gets secretified? Um, the Hillary Clinton thing. I mean, everyone's going, why is that such a big deal? She has her own server. I mean, she actively went went out of her way to circumvent using uh, the federal servers. A friend of mine uh, was the former deputy director of NASA. And they were told during initiation, if you do anything not 
obviously the Hillary case had not happened yet, but if you do pass classified information in an email, not in a, in a, in a, in a safe server, you will go to jail. I mean, they were, he said it was unequivocal. It was just like, this will happen. You do this, you will go to jail. So to say that this isn't actionable or an offense is, is wrong. It's just, it, we, we just, I guess we just all care who's, who's, you know, ox is being gored in this one. Clearly, you know, cl- uh, uh, Trump's documents seem to be just this mishmash of nonsense, right? I mean, um, yeah. and I don't, the Biden stuff has not come to light. Uh, we Question about at, Trump, by the way. I mean, Trump took these things home. We don't really know why. Still, uh, I doubt that he was working on his memoir. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, like the Trump presidential library is kind of an oxymoron. But what would um, you know? The thing is, if he had, if there was stuff in there that he just wanted for his, you know, you know, memories, um, <clears throat> couldn't he have just xeroxed them and then turned them back over? I mean, why was he fighting the subpoena? Why? But because I got he fights okay. subpoenas. That's just his. That's his reflex, that's his, right? Yeah, that's his. That's his go-to. So, question. Um, and I, I think you know, obviously, we have Demo- for our Democratic <clears throat> and pro-Biden listeners. Uh, hello, and thank you for listening to us. Um, I have to, you know, articulate this. They are saying that their Democrats are saying that there's a difference between the Trump documents at Mar-a-Lago and the Biden documents uh, next to his Corvette in Delaware. And that the differences are, A, uh, there were a lot more of the documents at Mar-a-Lago, and B, once uh, Biden in his adult state discovered that he possessed these documents, albeit for far longer, because they go back seven years. Um, but once he discovered it, he uh, voluntarily cooperated with the feds and turned them in, whereas Trump right. dra- dragged his ass and, you know, as we, as you said, fought the subpoena. Um, you know, w- what do you make of that? I don't know what to, I mean, it seems like, I mean, initially, don't forget the first batch of Biden documents were found not at his home, but at his old office, the think tank, which... <laughs> Sorry, that still makes me giggle. Um, so the think tank, they were in a closet or lock, a locked closet. I love how the Democratic and NPR, like, it was a locked closet. It's like, okay, that makes all the difference then. If all is forgiven if the if the closet was locked. Because <laughs> when uh, uh, Boris and Natasha show up. Yes. Too, they, says, like, Boris, Boris. And Natasha, we cannot go in there. Look, look it is locked. Squirrel has cleverly locked the door. We cannot have access to papers. Um, uh, maybe two of the worst Russian accents you've ever heard uh, today. But anyway, um, but now as this, uh, they're finding more and more of them. I mean, it just seems that, I mean, what do you make of it? I don't, you know, Trump's reaction to any kind of suit is going to be uh, stall every time. That's just how he is. The the Biden administration thought, well, let's just have transparency. Let's just fess up and throw up our hands and say, oh, shit, I guess we did it. But you use the phrase, and I'm going to totally mangle it, uh, a distinction without a difference. Or difference without a dis- without difference. A distinction without a difference. Right. And I think that's absolutely right. The general public, they're not dorks like us. They don't you know, podcast about this crap. They don't care. They just hear that he had papers, too. What I do think this does, and our pro-Biden people are going to go nuts, is I think this makes the final argument of Joe don't run. 
Uh, yeah, because... that, could, that could well be. I mean, he was literally just <laughs> this makes me giggle. Uh, Democrats <laughs> were, were bragging about the fact that Biden had achieved a record high 44 percent approval rating. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like last I checked, you need 50 percent to win in a two way race. Uh, I think you know, George I guess W. We could Bush have Robert could come back and fuck things up, but I doubt it. Um, so Eugene Debs, 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 John Bell, John C. Breckenridge, <laughs> Ross Perot, all of the all significant third party vote yeah. getters. Well, Strom uh, Thurmond, 1948 true uh john anderson 1980 uh you had uh george Didn't wallace 1968 nah nah yeah yeah anyway so, yeah we're such dorks okay <laughs> we but we really yes. are but yeah i mean like what are uh i mean should know, I he reconsider i mean i don't i doubt it it seems like one of those things that they figure this will blow over and i think they may have a point um well, this will blow over i mean all but the, look the big takeaway here is for sure this makes it all but impossible for the doj to uh indict trump for, over the documents i mean politically it's an impossibility now it's yeah. just not going to happen this neutralizes yeah. trump uh, yeah so the, his, his exposure is gone yes uh, all the wet dreams that the democrats had and i'm sorry every time something like this pops up it always is so much less than they make of it i mean I, I know they're not, they are not handling this well. I mean, I have to say, if I were doing communications for Biden, I would say the way I would have handled, I would, the, I would have had the president make a statement instead of making excuses. I would have been like, "Look, I criticized Trump for this, and you know what? I deserve criticism for it too. You know, uh, we have, you know, I don't believe in, uh, you know, double standards." Uh, you know, and so I'm I'm cooperating fully. I can't speak to what the former president is doing, but this president cooperates fully. Uh, and, you know, we'll get to the bottom of it. I'm sorry I did that. My people, I was surprised, but we shouldn't have done it. I'm the leader of the ship. I was the vice president. Shouldn't do it. My bad. Now let's get roll up our sleeves and get to the people's business and help the American people. That's that's, That's what he should do, but he's incapable because I think in part because of his age, I think he's incapable of being that quick, that fast. I mean, um, Clinton, well, and he did when he got caught during the Monica Lewinsky scandal. You know, it was just like, we got to focus on what the what the needs of the American people. And it, it sold. I mean, but he was impeached and 64% of Americans wanted him to stay in office. So right. uh, I don't believe that Joe Biden is really in a position to or mentally but he, all you have to do is to read make that. that speech off a teleprompter which he can still do which yeah. means he's not, he doesn't have anyone writing those speeches for him i don't think you know i don't think uh any democratic administration has had anyone other than a yes man toady um you know working in it for many decades I can't speak for the Republicans. I do think it's been a long time since there was someone in the room who thought differently. Um, you know. Yeah, yeah, but I also think. Um, I mean, we're talking. Last night, uh, they uh, they had reporters in the Oval Office for I think the Prime Minister of something was there, and they were asking uh, President Biden about the papers, and he literally smirked literally smirked at them. I mean, it was just this weird moment of, 
this is the real guy. And we've, we've, we've touched on this in past podcasts. I mean, I have a reporter friend who, I mean, he's the, he's the, uh, he's the godfather of Delaware. I mean, everyone <laughs> yeah, knows. That's hilarious. Uh, have you seen, I mean, the house where they found, where he keeps his Corvette and has a pool and it's right by the water. I mean, this place is. Which by the way, a house that Hunter Biden claimed to own at he, when he applied for credit somewhere, he listed that as an asset. It's not clear that that home is under the president's name or the, the president and the first lady. It's entirely possible that uh, Hunter, as far as, I mean, Hunter Biden should have just, could have just lied on his credit application. He lied on his gun application, but he absolutely, you know, but the point is there's, you know, it's like classified documents were found in the home, you know, in the locked, in the, in, next to the car of a, where a guy possibly was a uh, major cokehead, you know, crackhead, uh, drug fiend using prostitutes. Math. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, he, yeah, he was, a, he was, a, yeah, he's a tweaker and he's literally, you know, has the, he had access to these documents. I mean, look, I, I don't think there's any, that the, that U.S. national security could have ever been at risk from any of these documents, whether the Trump ones or the Biden ones. Um, I think it's sort of like there could have been inconveniences. Some assets might've been blown. Some projects might've had to be rejiggered. But I don't think, you know, there was someone going to break in and then b blow up the entire United States. That just wasn't going to happen. No, well, you make a point again in the column, which was excellent, um, that none of the anytime they release papers like this, it never hurts anybody. I was just thinking back to the Pentagon Papers, which is well before most of our time. I, I was a kid, but it was um, Daniel Ellsberg got a hold of the Pentagon Papers. The Washington Post went back into the movie of the, the paper. Uh, talks about that and uh, how they've decided to publish them. And it was really just an, an analysis by most people coming to the same conclusions that you, me, or your cat Clovis would have come to, which was that Vietnam was stupid and we shouldn't have been there. And we were going to lose. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and so how is that secret? How is that? I mean, that's just keeping. And the only way that that's yeah, secret or, or hurtful is it hurt? Is secrets it, are mostly about protecting the people in power from exactly. the implications of their actions. Exactly. So I'm for, I'm a hundred percent access. I don't think there should be top secret unless it's things like what's today's launch codes. Okay. I can, right. you can probably make the case that those should not be made public. Yeah, or, or, like, with, let's say, or like, let's say lists of uh, ongoing uh, covert operations or lists of intelligence agents and their contacts, of course. Let me ask you something. I mean, you, you I mean, you traveled within these regions. When we have, I mean, I'm doing air quotes again. It's really great podcasting. <laughs> um, but when they have secret air bases, when you've traveled within Afghanistan in those areas, when you did back, did were any of those secrets to the Afghani's? Uh, that's a really excellent question, and the answer is no. So, <laughs> so for example, in nineteen, I, I can't remember if it was 1997 or 1999, but um, in Northwest Kazakhstan was a uh, secret British base uh, that had been sort of um, sort of popped down in the middle of the steppe. And uh, they were involved in a they were they were supporting the Kazakhs in a border conflict with neighboring Uzbekistan. And the you know, the thing is, everyone there knew about it. It was in the local paper. 
Um, and people talked about it. Uh, <laughs> the secret base. Nobody, nobody here knew about it. But yeah, no, it's like the secret bombing of Cambodia and Laos during the Vietnam War. You know, certain the bombs certainly didn't come as any secret to the locals. It's only secret from the New York Times and their readers. Right. I mean, that's what I mean. So again, absolute. I'm. I support absolute transparency in government. I pay for it. I should be able to know what the hell's going on I'm with you. I think right. every I think every government meeting, whenever possible, should be live streamed. I also don't think lobbyists should be, ever be allowed to meet uh, with uh, uh, any political official uh, unless it's live streamed and recorded and stored. But you touched on something which we're not talking about right now, but we should talk about in the future, and that is city councils and county commissions around the country now, because yeah. of the death of newspapers, are saying, okay, we're not going to have live streaming of our meetings anymore. Yeah. And in today's, I can't remember who was the Times or in the Post today, they, I'm glad you brought up that up, Scott. They, they talked about how there's a um, uh, there's a lot of you know angry parents, for example, come to school board meetings and yeah. they're complaining about woke stuff or whatever, vaccinations yeah, or masks. Anyway, uh, these meetings have been coming. Oh, my God, they've, be, they've become raucous and, and well attended. So this is a real problem because uh, democracy is really annoying so uh a lot of uh, municipalities and school boards are uh enforcing limits they're get, either getting rid of public comment or they're strictly limiting it to one two yeah. or three minutes yeah uh, or they have rules like you can't say anything that is insulting or hateful which is of or rude which is of course completely subjective um you know it's yeah yeah no it's the end of democracy as we know it so you know it was a it was a good run right it was a nice experiment. I mean, you know, granted it was, I don't know. I mean, we never really got there, did we? Right. I mean, like I've always thought it was weird that kids can't vote. I mean, you know, like literally no one, no one learns more about civics than, than, than high school and, and middle school kids, right. They literally know more about the constitution than people, than their parents do because that stuff is being taught in class. So they're the ones that the one people, <laughs> the one group of people we don't let vote. That's fascinating. I, I, a friend of ours, a mutual friend of ours, uh, uh, Dave Fitzsimmons, who's the editorial cartoonist down in Tucson, who's just uh, recently retired, but he had a great line. I watch uh, The West Wing when I feel particularly sad, and he calls it, and so does he, he binge watches it. He says he calls it good governance porn, <laughs> <laughs> and he's right, but one of the episodes was a kid debating whether or not kids should be able to vote, and I think, could they do worse? Nope. No, not really. Of course, kids should be able to vote. Like, I mean, why not? I mean, like, we trust kids to 16 year olds. We trust them in many states to drive, uh, you know, yeah, well, with your parent next to you, you can still crash. You can still drive over someone with your dad sitting in the car next in the passenger seat next to you um, or your dad. Yes, you, <laughs> you could. More importantly, uh, from my point of view, um, you know, more beneficially, and, <laughs> perhaps. Yeah. So there's a, um, yeah, no, it, it's, it's just, it's, it, it's peculiar to me. I mean, you know, we, I'm well, not, have, and then meanwhile, should... we're letting not like New York is now letting non-citizens vote. Like, what? you know, yeah, yeah. Like, like you can vote like in a city. I don't know if this went through or not. I think it did where you do not have to be a U.S. citizen to vote in a New York city election. Well, see, that's insane. I think it's insane too. I also don't, I don't even really, I guess I kind of understand uh, allowing 
foreigners to have a driver's license, but I feel like they should have like a different kind of driver's license, like a, like some different kind of permit. Um, the idea was that, you know, undocumented workers were driving around and they couldn't get insurance. So if there was an accident, uh, there was, you know, the, 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 the person who struck would, would suffer liability and not be able to be compensated. So it's fixing this problem. I mean, but the real problem is that we're just not admitting enough people legally, you know, that's, well, that's I've argued for you and I both argued for that for, for a while. Yeah. Um, before I let you go, uh, one more quick question. Uh, getting back to Joe Biden and the and the and the secret papers and how this uh, does this derail oh, yeah. his his reelection oh, yeah. effort yeah. or so on, but uh, before I let you go, I have to ask you this because I've talked to other Democratic friends and there've been one or two, but really the vast majority of them, when I say Joe Biden is running for reelection, literally cringe. You go, oh God, no! That's a quote from my wife, who's a you know a centrist Democrat, and yeah. you know, she, and I mean, do you have any? people that you know that are like yes run joe run i mean who are enthusiastic no um what's going on is that all of my democratic friends are in a deep state of denial because i will say and it's about a whole it's a clusterfuck basically it's like okay so they're like they don't it's like biden i'll say well biden seems to be running and it's like you say they're like oh god he's too old then it's like well if he's not running it's Harris. And then they're like, Oh God, fuck. <laughs> yeah. Shit. Yeah. And then, and I, I have literally never heard any human being make the case for, uh, for Kamala. I have not heard anybody say, you know, Kamala is, uh, you know, I have not heard any friend of a friend of a friend of a friend say, you know, she's great. You know, I would support her. That's just, you know, no. So then I'm like, okay, well, if it's neither of them, then who is it? And they're like, everyone's sort of like, I don't know. And I'm like, you do know there's an election coming, right? You do know you need someone um, and you need them really, I'd say by August. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's what's interesting too, is you look at the Dem the Republican party is going after Buttigieg in the last like two weeks, they've started to float, yeah. you know, Smart because he is a, he is a, he is a threat to them. I think so too. Okay. So we're going to wrap this up, go into our last segment. You we're gonna have we're gonna have, we're gonna do we're gonna do a bunch of stuff in the last segment, right? Yeah, which we've been doing these last two segments. We're <laughs> actually COVID free, but we are. Um, I guess this is the last dregs of the uh, brain fog that will will stumble over each other. I don't know. I think we were sharper this time than last. I think. Time. Oh God, last last one was actually delightful. If you if you haven't listened to the last podcast before this one, it's actually pretty. Oh, it was popular. Like we had shit. We had a record number of downloads last. Yeah, week. yeah. Because we're just like we're just, this is. We should like get. We should like go out and get COVID like every week. <laughs> God, we have, we're doing it for the clicks. <laughs> I'm gonna go to like one of those. I'm gonna go to like one of those COVID tents in New York and and be like, "Hey, uh, do you got any extra COVID? Like from the, any positive test swabs? Can I like, can you know? Can you sneeze in my face? Yeah. <laughs> God. No. When we set this up, we, we I think that we really got the idea that you know our phone conversations are really wide ranging. If you listen to this podcast, you've listened to our phone conversations. That's this true. is it. I mean, we talk. Probably. Oh, well, we talk more. Times. We talk more shit about comics or cartoons in. And cartoonists. Let's be honest. Yeah, but, yeah that's true. <laughs> and editors. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Jesus, editors. God, yeah. They, st they still exist. They still roam the earth somehow. Um, <laughs> they do. They do. It's they're sort of like birds or dinosaurs. You know, it's like. 
<laughs> anyway, we'll be back. Uh, we're going to talk about it's, it's potpourri, which is French. So you're listening, <laughs> you're listening to the DMZ. You're listening to the DMZ America podcast. third and last segment of dmz america the podcast i'm scott stannis coming to you from the right and i'm ted Roth coming to you from the left so we i said potpourri so we were just discussing uh in the break here uh wyoming legislators are proposing a ban a ban i'm not get. i'm not i'm not kidding a ban you heard that right on the sale of electric vehicles a ban on the sale of electric vehicles well, you know, it's like <laughs> uh, it, it, that that will impact the 0.2% of auto sales that come from the state of Wyoming annually. I'm just yes, I know. That. General yeah, you, you, General Motors is shaking in its uh, electrified boots here. Uh, it's 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 obviously a response to, you know, uh, this whole thing of like Florida, you know, when DeSantis ran, where woke goes to die, you know, that that kind of bullshit talk. Um, We're all asleep. Uh, but you know, in, in response, California has passed legislation that they're going to go all electric by 2035, I believe it is. And that um, makes the entire country electrified because obviously, such an out as the most the nation's most populous state, and of course, the capital of car culture in a country besotted by car culture. Uh, it is widely believed that if any any kind of major any sweeping change to California automobile landscape will become national at the same exact time because it kind of has to. GM can't really have a different, uh, you know, plan for uh, California that it does for the other uh, 49 states. Not to mention, um, haven't the big three automakers all announced that they're going to go all electric by the I early 30s? Ford, I want to say Ford has done that. Um I just, I mean, electric vehicles, there's a couple of problems with them. Uh, uh, full disclosure here, both Ted and I owned hybrids. Um, well, I did I, own an, I did own a hybrid. Uh, oh, my, would, my current car is a conventional. <gasps> Why do you hate the planet? No, I would have, I would have bought a hybrid. Um, what's interesting is I, I had an 04 Honda Civic hybrid, which I really liked, um, except for the, you know, the civicness, the smallness of it. Uh, <laughs> But I mean, oh my God, you know, you're for real, you're, you know, they claim 60 miles per gallon. I mean, total bullshit, but I was getting a good solid 42 for real. And, um, it was, uh, I loved the car. I loved it. And it, it went and went until it didn't go. And I had 265,000 miles on it when it died, uh, you know, it, 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 provided 14 years of loyal service, but it came. So here's what happened. It came with this great incentive. Uh, when I bought the car, it came with a $4,000 federal tax rebate. Yeah. And also it came with the uh, sticker that gave you the right to drive alone in the high occupancy vehicle lane, which living in New oh. York was a godsend. And they about, they got rid of both incentives uh, but when I bought my next car, the which is a Honda, because oh, now a it's back in Honda Accord, um, and the, the those those so that you couldn't get that sticker in New York, and I was like, man, I want that fucking sticker. If I, without that sticker, I don't need it. And it was kind of like the electronic, the electric vehicle was so much more expensive. Um, also, mm. they stopped making, I think, the Honda Civic Hybrid, and there's there was no if I'm really. If I'm, 
correctly, I don't think there was an Accord hybrid uh, the year that I was interested in buying a car. So we have a Toyota uh, camera, but I do like hybrids. Yeah, no, this thing is great. And actually they have an engine in it that has some zuch. I mean, if, my fear was, because I've been in uh, Priuses and getting on the freeway and stuff. And it's, you know, the, 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 I heard the, that they, they have excellent acceleration. It does. It really does. I mean, I'm really very happy. And you're right. You know, when they say 60, it gets 65 miles to the gallon. Horse shit. No, it doesn't. But we get, we average between, and if I really watch it and don't, you know, don't gun it. Um, and especially if we're just using it to putz around town, we get around 48, 49 miles to the gallon which is fantastic and this cool shit like like when if you don't and this was a weird thing i don't know if this is true about other hybrid vehicles but with my civic if i uh we when you stopped at a light it came to a the engine came to a dead stop like oh, everything that's yeah, weird but it only was true if you didn't have the vent on like the you you had to have like oh well, yeah, no, makes no ac or anything if you had the ac or the or the heat on that didn't happen it kept idling my favorite thing of, of our car is when it backs up because apparently backing up, it's so quiet and cr you crush people, which apparently is wrong. Uh, um, people, people start screaming. Every, you, know? <laughs> depends on, you know, it's like they get all upset about the flamethrower drones, but when you get them with the electric, with, with the hybrid, suddenly you're a bad person. But you back up and it makes this angelic sound. Literally, Ted, I'm not kidding. It goes, oh, oh like, yeah, the, backs like, up. The, like the hum. Yeah, it's, 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 it's beautiful. But Wyoming, what, I mean, I actually went online last night when I read this story to see about electric vehicles, because I have a friend who lives in Arizona. Yeah, he, he bought a Leaf, I believe it was, which is not a great car, but it's, you yeah. know, gets him around town. And he was able to put up solar panels to, uh, you know, on top to, of his car. <laughs> no, well, that would be hilarious. But no, but, but, but it does pay for or at least handle all the electrical needs of the car. That's how he charges it. Mm. Uh, that makes perfect sense to me. I mean, but the range of these things is still like 300 miles. People go, it's only 300 miles, which is pretty, I mean, how many times are you going to go over 350 miles from Well, your when home? you're on a road trip, that's when it's going to happen. I mean, exactly. and it's not that, I mean, you could easily end up, I mean, I've had days where I had to go someplace, you know, a hundred miles each way. Maybe? Right, right. San Francisco to Sacramento. I remember that. Right. And Tesla has cut its prices, they said significantly. I went on the Tesla site. It didn't seem like they cut them that much to me, but maybe I went yeah, to the wrong site. It didn't seem like it was enough to me either, but the investors are pissed. Well, and they're, the, the price the, points do have to drop or people are not going to buy these cars. Yeah. Well, and Tesla was kind of like, you know, rich guys bought them, right? There was a $100,000 car, it was a prestige car. Yeah, and then they they try to have the affordable side of it, which is a fifty thousand dollar car, which still makes my jaw drop because the first time I ever bought a new car, Ted, was for five thousand dollars. Now you know one, one really weird thing about, and I would be interested in uh, you know what Tesla owners who are listening to this would say about it, but they have all sorts of weird shit. I mean, I know someone who uh, who has a Tesla, and she told me that that literally they designed the car to not go as fast as it could and if you want the upgrade yeah. it's a download of software and then like you pay a thousand or two thousand dollars and then like your car will be allowed to go faster i'm like okay this is like to me like it's the worst kind of like apple computer type of just um you know corporate behavior the price it's a pricing structure that i personally would just find offensive um it's a shakedown it's just it's disgusting like what yeah. are you talking about yeah it's like when they change when apple changes the drive as fast as i could 
when ch Apple changes the cord every year, you know, and you have to yeah. buy a new cord. Um, I mean, I looked at, again, I told you, I went online, looked at a bunch of electric vehicles, including the Tesla, and it goes 200 miles an hour. When are you going to need more than that? I mean, really? Have you been in a Tesla? They're, they're great cars. I've I mean, never honestly, been in one. This is not a commercial, but if Tesla wants to buy advertising on the DMZ America podcast, we're for yes. it. But, awesome. But the acceleration, I mean, they're an amazing automobile. So, so Wyoming, you know, fuck you. You're stupid. Well, there's, there is, well, I mean, so uh, what I read about, and I guess I don't really understand the, 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 the point here. So this, as, as, as many stupid things are, this was uh, legislative reactivity. They said the conservative uh, legislature of Wyoming said, said that uh, they took offense at the fact that there's a mandate, you know, that, that all gasoline powered uh, vehicles would effectively be banned in 10 years or ish or 12 years. Um, and so they wanted to start a discussion and it's kind of like, well, you ban them, we'll ban yours. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I don't know what discussion they think is going to occur. I mean, electric vehicles are the future, um, like it or not. Um, well, here's the, and here's where it really comes down to me. And then we're, we're going to change subjects, but uh, um, conservative legislature wants to ban, wants to deny me the right to buy an electric vehicle. Well, mm -hmm. fuck you. You know what? I mean, I have a right to buy an electric vehicle if I want to. If I, I mean, I can buy a hybrid, which really makes the most sense, quite frankly, uh, given the technology going forward today. Well, it's because yeah, there's no, there's no fucking charging stations, right? I mean, that's the thing. There's not enough charging stations, and uh, and not to mention, you know, who really wants to spend like half an hour when you're on a road trip or forty or longer or right? longer, yeah. yeah. You know, I guess you have to, there's, there's difference. You pay more to uh, recharge at a faster yep. rate. Yep. Another thing that annoys me. Um, I feel like they shouldn't, they just all charge as fast as possible. Yeah. And just well, that be a flat fee. One would think, but for a party that pretends to believe in personal freedoms and personal responsibilities, yet they're telling me what I can and cannot buy. Uh, but anyway, this, uh, well, I mean, of course, obviously it's one of those things. It's a, uh, it's not, it's not even a Hail Mary pass, right? I mean, it's just a, it's a bill that's meant to, it's more like a resolution. It's meant to send, to send a, an, a point like you're annoying us and, and we're, we're going to rant about it. That's it. it they're so, venting. They're venting. It's not a real bill. They're like five-year-olds. They're throwing themselves yeah. in the, uh, in the, in the cereal aisle of the store because they want Captain <laughs> Crunch. Um, okay. Russia has a troop buildup in the West. Is there is there a big old offensive coming, Ted? Um, I don't think so. And it's like, uh, let me put it really? this way. Not soon. Uh, you know, look, it's January. And you're a student of World War II as in history, as I was, am. Um, and basically, Ukraine turns into a giant mud barn. Uh, you know, it's a mud, it's, 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 a, it's a it's a bog. So this might be... This is probably at this stage uh, in terms of it's protecting and consolidating uh, current positions um, and preparing for the summer fighting season. Nothing much is going to happen till May when the when the when the ground hardens up and, you know, the tanks aren't going to sink into the muck. Um, so I don't think there's a, a major offensive coming. On the other hand, uh, what could 
motivate the Russians to uh, go big now is that no one would expect it because of what I just said. Um, and also, apparently, um, Ukraine is about to take delivery of uh, Western tanks uh, from from NATO countries. And apparently, Ukrainian uh, tank uh, uh, soldiers have been trained in uh, the UK and other places. Uh, it takes, uh, I guess, four months or six months to learn how to uh, drive a tank and 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 operate one. So the the Russians might be thinking that the tanks would be a game changer and they might want to, you know, attack now before those tanks come online. So this is one of those, I'm not sure. I doubt it, but I think it's like 60, 40. It, it could go mm. the other way. Well, and Putin also increasing the number of the, uh, of the military to 1.5 uh, million soldiers uh, tells you that something's in the works. Um, Belarus has been itching to get into the fight they want a piece they want a piece of that uh sweet sweet uh ukraine territory um but the ukrainians are having success in the east so i mean is this uh, the big question the really big question is this becoming a quagmire is this going to be is this a slog now is this and uh, is this going to be yeah. back like these really nominal back and forth i mean i i can't remember oh. damn it uh i can't remember the name of the uh, city that the russians are fine took back again it's been oh, back the salt and forth. mining town i forget yeah the yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. um i mean is this just is this now going to become mired in just this, this back and forth of nominal territorial gain and loss and i believe so i mean the, you know the problem is i mean first of all uh the west cannot and will not give enough material or technology to ukraine that they can drive the Russians out of their territory, right? So by definition, you have two fairly evenly matched opponents uh, engaged in a protracted conflict. Furthermore, both of them are highly motivated. I mean, this isn't the US and Afghanistan where it's like, ultimately, you know, nothing happens if you lose. You know, we leave, actually, we just save money. You know, Vietnam, you know, oh, the, 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 you know, the communist dominoes will fall throughout Southeast Asia. Well, a, they didn't. And even if they had, who cared? I mean, Vietnam was a war of choice. We just, you know, we 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 show up, we leave. Russia can't leave. Russia has to stay. They can't lose. And it's on their border and they can keep supplying it really easily. Not only is it on their border, you know, they already hold territory in friendly territory in Donetsk and Luhansk, right? And in Crimea. So they have an excellent tactical advantage. Uh, the Ukrainians uh, feel obviously they're 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 fighting to the death. They feel like they can't lose because it's their country. So you have two de determined, evenly matched adversaries. You're going to have a protracted conflict, and the uh, and only until both sides come to Jesus and and just basically recognize the reality for what it is, which is this is going to require a negotiated settlement. Um, this is and that negotiated settlement is not going to involve Ukraine getting back everything it had before 2014. Uh, so, you know, once that happens, um, you know, and, you know, that 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 will happen at some point. Um, I suspect the Russians are already there. They've already sent those signals. I don't think the Ukrainians are there yet. No, they're not. In fact, they're kind of emboldened now to to drag this on. Last subject. This was I, I, this one excites me a lot more than it excites Ted. But it's ninety percent. <laughs> this headline: ninety percent of online content 
will be generated by AI by 2025, 90% of it. And we were talking about this before we started recording. Ted had a great line. He says, at what point is it just bots talking to bots? <laughs> you know, yeah, and, and, and you're right. Yeah. And you're right. I mean, this is terrifying to me for, on a lot of different levels. Um, and I just saw on my um, Instagram feed this morning, it was, was it Nia Zia Pia? I can't remember her name. It was a attractive woman's face saying, hi, I'm Pia. I'm AI. I am AI made. Talk to me. It's like, <laughs> Wow. No, no. And why should I? Yes. What would possibly be the point? We're falling into this morass of, of reality, of subjective reality. I mean, you know, you and I are kind of students of philosophy too. And the existentialists are now kind of winning the day. This is like <laughs> reality is now whatever you want it to be. I want reality to be that I'm, you know, president of Alabama. And you could, you could uh, con you conceivably immerse yourself in a world where that's true. True. Uh, I mean, does this bother you at all? Do you care? Um, okay. So, you know, I, I just wrote, by the way, uh, a piece for who, what, why.org that just, yes, got you did today about um, specifically uh, about AI uh, text to image generators and the threat that they pose to cartoonists and other visual artists. And I would encourage people to go over to whowhatwhy.org and read it. It's uh, not only was it uh, a fun to write, but it's also really fun to write at that length. It was like a 2000, it's like a 2000 word feature piece, which I used to write a lot of those things. and I don't get to do it anymore. And uh, there's not really any model because the alt weeklies have all shut down. But anyway, um, I am interested in the topic. Um, and I think this kind of comes down to something I refer to in the piece, which is my sort of my father's observations about technology. And he had this basically two main things that he'd say. First of all, you say technology is inherently neutral. Like look at nuclear fission and fusion, right? Like you can blow up cities, but you can power cities. Um, you know, knives kill people, knives save people and make meals. Um, so, uh, and I think that's true. And I think um, similarly, but he also would say that like, um, you know, once a technology is possible to develop, it's impossible. Like if you don't do it, someone else will. So it's inevitable. And I'm not sure I agree with that because like, for example, mines are very simple technology, but most of the world has come together to ban them. Um, you know, nuclear weapons, uh, we have you know, basically only used on two occasions. One country has used them, you know, a few days apart once. And we have managed successfully as a species, and we should pat ourselves on the back, not to get into a nuclear confrontation um, since then. So I think it's possible to just say, like, this is bad, and we can regulate it. And we can. And so, for example, with AI, uh, you know, the piece I wrote about what I took issue with was not the idea of AI, which is kind of a cool technology, but the idea that it's scraping copyrighted and trademarked material by people like you and me uh, without asking our permission and not compensating us in any way, way whatsoever. And they're they're not doing it because it's cool. They're monetizing our shit. They're making money off our material. And that's bullshit. And it should be illegal and it should be regulated. And I have hope that it will be. Um you know, I, I I do think AI allows all sorts of amazing shit. I mean, you could imagine like, um, you know, bots like micro, like nanobots uh, programmed by AI uh, doing uh, surgical procedures 
that would be impossible to do under other circumstances. Um, you know, you could see uh, predictive algorithms able to benefit humanity in a lot of different ways. But I do think that we do need, we should have some sort of governmental or quasi-governmental authority that takes the big picture and sort of sort of says, well, wait a minute, human beings. Like, is this really good? What are the dangers? Can we control these dangers? And if so, how? And I, that's the problem. That's what scares me is that we're just rushing into it the same way that like self-driving cars, you know, they're literally out on the street now and they're not ready. They hit people and kill people. They're, you know, it's like, you know, I don't want to be a nation of beta testers. I want the beta <laughs> testing to be done in a closed environment. You know, I mean, there's a reason why, you know, bio biological labs do research in a closed environment and they don't just like release, except from Wuhan, they don't release, uh, you know, nasty bugs and yeah. just to see what would happen. That's what we're doing. They're just seeing what would happen in the real world. That's a serious problem. Yeah, I this is this disturbs me a lot more than you. And I think as a newsman, um, just you're going to have these bots and creating these stories out of whole cloth. And like you said, they can scrape. And where do they get the news from? They can get it from the New York Times. They can get it from NPR or they can get it from QAnon or they can get it from some dipshit Wyoming legislator who wants to ban e electric vehicles. You know, I mean, um you know, but there are ways to regulate that and prevent that from happening. Like, like if allowed to run wild, for example, bots that create news stories based that scrape from legitimate news sources like the New York Times um, would, you know, they they would put the New York Times out of business. Right. I mean, it's like mm. at a certain point. But you could have a law that says, for example, if the New York Times gets original reporting, they call they get a quote from uh, Vice President Harris. That quote can be copyrighted and they and like a bot can't use it or more accurately, the bot can use it. But, um, you know, Politico can't have a bot create a story and use that quote without paying The New York Times. OK, I just I still think it's weird. I just I don't know why. By the way, in the story on, uh, that you wrote, the long form story, there's a picture of you. In front of and it, and the caption did the did a bot get that or did you write that? <laughs> I did not write that. I wonder well, if a bot because, did not write that. Oh come on, a human being wrote that because it says Ted Rawl standing in front of framed art. <laughs> <laughs> That's the caption because you're standing in front of an and exhibit uh, of cartoons and your cartoon is in the exhibit and you're standing next to it, but the caption is Ted Rawl standing in front of framed art. Well, it is an accurate description. Of the yeah, it is a bot. A, the bot got it right. <laughs> as we do sometimes oh man okay to be continued um ted uh, images by the way is uh currently suing um one of the major uh uh, uh ai companies oh, for scraping their images and who uh, is? monetizing them getty images which is wow. probably the biggest uh you know online uh purveyor of copyrighted uh photographs by well, how many times have you found your cartoon someplace? I mean, often really inappropriate, like it'll be some, you know, uh, you know, let's, uh, well, I was going to say overturn the government, but you're all for that. Um, <laughs> let's just say a democratic site, you know, <laughs> a pro Biden site that uses your, I mean, I found my cartoons in places that are 
very strange. Sometimes changed and manipulated. I mean, we oh, have, sure. and it's it's infuriating. And that's so. going to happen more and more now. Yeah, um, it's Super. an issue. I mean, I I guess my whole thing is I feel like human beings should control technology. Technology should not control human beings, and that's the problem. Well, but human beings aren't smart enough to control it. And that's the other problem is legislators. I mean, they look at this stuff and they have no idea what you're talking about. They they don't want to educate themselves on it. So this stuff is going to go on unfettered until it hits a critical mass of abuse. And then we're all that's, screwed. That is how, how it works in this country. Hallelujah. Uh, so, Ted, where can I, as an individual, see your work? <laughs> The TED bot is available at uh, <laughs> as previously mentioned on lost. Uh, you can also go to sputniknews.com, uh, usually on Tuesdays and Thursdays, raw.com, gocomics.com slash Ted Raw. And uh, you can always, uh, but I would urge you definitely this week to go check out today's piece uh, at whowhatwhy.org. Yeah, you just uh, sent me the link this morning, so I was able to read about half of it and see that fabulous caption. <laughs> <laughs> human, human in front of pictures. Um, so you can see my stuff at go to gocomics.com slash Scott Stantis, one word, or gocomic.com slash Prickly City. You can go to uh, chicagotribune.com and see a gallery of the work I do for them. You can go to Dallas News, where I do work for the Dallas Morning News. And uh, that about covers it. So, oh, Ted, you uh, your book. Well, oh yeah, the stringer. Yeah, uh, go get get the stringer too. Great present. Great be a great Valentine's Day present. And it, it's a it's a love letter to journalism, the the way it used to be, and like it's sort of basically Breaking Bad meets journalism. And yeah, every time I think about, it, I'm like, you know, you you'll Scott, you work on a project, and you'll be like, sometimes you'll be like, okay, it's done, and I'm glad it's done, but I'm like, mm, there's so many things I wish I'd done differently to it, and like, eh. Um, that's not the case here. I mean, I, the book came out a year ago and I'm still like feeling really good about it. I feel like it's, you know, wow. a good product, but that's because it's a excellent. Great um, anyway, who was the right. illustrator? It wasn't me. So no, no. Yeah. That, that's uh, something we'll be talking about soon. Uh, Pablo, Pablo G. Calejo, uh, Spanish artist, brilliant artist who uh, worked on a book called the blues man, which uh, comics fans might know about. He was the, he illustrates when he illustrates a book, um, he doesn't write, but he always illustrates. Uh, he does a completely different style for each book. Even for me, he illustrated a previous book of mine called The Year of Loving Dangerously, and the style is different. Um, so it's really interesting. He just does a new style for every book. So The Stringer, buy it for someone you love. Or hate. Or hate. Even yeah, better. Just, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Scare them. All right. <laughs> Until next time. We'll see you, Ted. Arrivederci. Bonjour. No, au revoir. Au revoir. Adieu. Not adieu. Not adieu. No, no. <laughs> <laughs>